0: Welcome, everyone, to a deep dive into an intriguing area of neuroscience research. Today, we're unpacking the paper titled Intrinsic Brain Activity in Sensory Motor Cortices Characterizes Substance Use Disorders, an Activation Likelihood Estimation Meta-Analysis, authored by Maximilian Foscher, Sandra Nowachinsky, and Marcus Mulhan.
1: Substance use disorders, or SUDs, are a major challenge in psychiatry, deeply affecting individuals' lives and placing a heavy burden on healthcare systems. Researchers have been tirelessly working to understand the underlying brain mechanisms, and this paper takes a significant step in that direction.
0: The paper employs a technique called Activation Likelihood Estimation, or AL, which is a meta-analysis method. This approach allows the authors to integrate findings from multiple studies to identify consistent patterns of brain activity among individuals with SUDs.
1: Specifically, they focus on intrinsic brain activity (IBA) measures. These measures, such as regional homogeneity (ReHo), amplitude of low-frequency fluctuations (ALFF), voxel mirrored homotopy connectivity (VMHC), and degree centrality (DC), reflect different aspects of how the brain organizes and coordinates its activity at rest.
0: Through a systematic search, they identified 51 studies involving 1,439 participants with SUDs. One key finding is that there's no single pattern of alteration across all IBA measures in SUDs. However, when zooming in on specific measures like RIHO and LFF, they found increased activity patterns peaking in the left pre- and post-central cortices.
1: This is fascinating because these areas are involved in action execution and sensory processing like managing finger movements or responding to touch. The findings suggest these sensory motor areas may play a previously under-discussed role in SUDs.
0: Indeed, Jen. The authors also engage in what's called functional decoding, essentially asking, what do these brain activity patterns mean? They link the observed patterns to relevant psychological and physiological functions, like the ones you mentioned, which ties the brain's intrinsic activity to potential behavioral implications in SADS.
1: It's also worth noting how meticulously they approached the study selection and data analysis. They followed rigorous guidelines and standards for neuroimaging meta-analyses, ensuring their findings are both robust and reliable.
0: Absolutely. And beyond just detailing their findings, the authors argue for the importance of exploring the clinical significance of the sensorimotor cortices in SUDs further. This could lead to new avenues for understanding and perhaps even treating these disorders.
1: Reflecting on the paper, it's clear how crucial and complex the brain's intrinsic activity is in SADS. Studies like this underscore the potential for uncovering novel insights into psychiatric illnesses by meticulously piecing together data from from numerous studies.
0: True, Jen. It's a reminder of the power of collaboration and aggregation in science. By consolidating individual studies into a broader analysis, researchers can paint a more comprehensive picture of the underlying neurobiology of disorders like SUDs.
1: And with each new discovery, we edge closer to more effective interventions that could one day transform the lives of individuals battling substance use disorders. It's an area of research that's not just academically interesting, but has profound implications for health and society.
0: Well said, Jen. That's all for today's episode. We hope you found it as fascinating as we did. Join us next time as we dissect another groundbreaking piece of research. Until then, stay curious. Are you tired of the same old brain games that just don't seem to touch the depths of your sensory motor cortices?
1: Do you spend nights wondering if your intrinsic brain activity is up to par with your neighbors?
0: Well, fret no longer. Introducing Brain Bounce, The revolutionary app developed in the wake of groundbreaking research on substance use disorders.
1: Brain Bounce turns your sensorimotor stimulation into a fun, carnival-themed game. Pop virtual balloons with your mind, juggle flaming torches using your sensorimotor skills, and even tightrope walk across neurons.
0: Created with the findings from the intrinsic brain activity in sensorimotor cortices characterizes substance use disorders research, Brain Bounce is not just a game.
1: It's a workout for your brain's most jazzy areas.
0: So don't let your left pre and post-central cortices feel left out. Give them the party they've been waiting for with Brain Bounce.
1: Download now and we guarantee your brain's intrinsic activity will be the life of the party or your metaphysical money back.
0: Brain Bounce, because your brain deserves a bounce too. Welcome back to our thought-provoking journey through cultural psychology. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving deep into a fascinating study titled, Do Different Features of Interdependence Have the Same Psychological Consequences? Familial Respect Predicts Dispositional Bias by Natalia M. Espinosa and Christina E. Salvador from Duke University.
0: Right off the bat, this study explores a complex concept, how different aspects of interdependence, a key cultural dimension, influence our psychological processes, specifically in attributing actions to either personal dispositions or situational contexts.
1: It's based on the fundamental attribution error, which posits that humans have a bias toward attributing others' actions to their character or disposition rather than to external situations. Previous research suggested this bias is weaker in interdependent cultures, where there's a greater focus on situational factors.
0: Interestingly, the authors of this paper introduce a twist They differentiate between interdependent self-construal, which is like the textbook understanding of interdependence emphasizing group harmony, and familial respect, which is about maintaining positive family relationships.
1: To investigate this, they conducted three thorough studies. The first used an EEG measure to examine dispositional bias among Latinx college students, revealing that while interdependent self-construal predicted a weaker dispositional bias, Familial respect actually predicted a stronger one.
0: Then, they expanded their research cross-culturally, comparing Mexicans and European Americans. They found that familial respect consistently predicted internal attributions for positive behaviors across cultures, challenging the notion that interdependence is universally linked to situational attributions.
1: Lastly, they explored whether simpatia, a cultural value emphasizing warmth and positivity, could explain why familial respect leads to stronger dispositional attributions for positive situations. And guess what, it did.
0: What's compelling about these findings is that they nuance our understanding of interdependence. It's not a monolithic concept leading to a universal psychological outcome. Instead, different facets of interdependence, like familial respect, can distinctly influence how we perceive and attribute others' actions.
1: This study really underscores the diversity within what we often pigeonhole as different cultures. It reveals that cultural values such as familial respect and sympathia can fundamentally shape our social perception and cognition, leading to more nuanced internal attributions.
0: Personally, I find the exploration into sympatia fascinating. It suggests that a cultural and social inclination towards positivity and warmth isn't just a surface level trait, but deeply influences cognitive processes like attribution bias.
1: Absolutely, Tom. It broadens the dialogue on cultural psychology, pushing us to consider how different cultural values and practices shape the very fabric of our psychological processes. It's a reminder of the rich, complex tapestry of human cognition and culture.
0: Well said, Jen. Understanding these nuances doesn't just enrich academic discourse, but also has practical implications for cross-cultural communication, empathy, and social harmony.
1: As always, we leave you with much to ponder. How do your cultural values shape your perception of others' actions? And how can we foster understanding and empathy across cultures?
0: That's all for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to reflect on the fascinating interplay between culture and cognition in your daily interactions.
1: Until next time, keep questioning, keep learning, and stay curious. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Ever find yourself puzzling over why grandma always blames you for eating the last cookie, even when it was obviously Uncle Joe? Well, worry no more.
1: Introducing Family Bias Busters. Inspired by the groundbreaking paper, do different features of interdependence have the same psychological consequences? Familial respect predicts dispositional bias. We bring you a quirky solution to your family's blame game.
0: Our service comes packed with a handy app. Equipped with a bias detector, which uses advanced and entirely fictional technology to analyze conversations and detect when familial respect is causing someone to wrongly attribute actions to you.
1: But wait, there's more. Sign up now and we'll throw in our exclusive Sympathia Simulator. This feature sends periodic compliments to your family members, boosting their mood and reducing the chance they'll pin the blame on you next time the cookies vanish
0: no more being the family scapegoat. Let family bias busters turn those awkward family dinners into harmonious gatherings, where the only thing that's blamed is the cat.
1: Disclaimer, family bias busters cannot actually prevent your family from blaming you for everything. But hey, at least you'll get some good laughs and maybe even improve Uncle Joe's mood. Sign up today and embrace the weird wonders of family dynamics.
0: Today, we're diving deep into a fascinating study titled Understanding the Individual, Sociodemographic, and Mobility-Related Factors Associated with Active and Sustainable Mobility, a mixed-methods study by Claudia Taran Escobar and colleagues.
1: That's right, Tom. This paper delves into the complex factors influencing people's choices towards more sustainable and active mobility options like walking, biking, public transportation, and carpooling.
0: The team utilized a mixed methods approach, combining an online survey with focus groups and individual interviews. They explored not only the quantitative aspects, but also gained qualitative insights from experts and car drivers in the Grenoble metropolitan area, France.
1: The results were telling. On the quantitative front, having a transport pass, participating in leisure or volunteer activities, having older children, and individual factors like attitudes toward cars, active mobility habits, and perceived physical health all independently influenced active and sustainable mobility choices.
0: Interestingly, they found no significant interactions between these factors, suggesting that each plays an independent role in shaping mobility decisions.
1: On the qualitative side, specific to the Grenoble area, living in mountainous regions was seen as a barrier to active and sustainable mobility this highlights the importance of considering geographic and local context in addressing mobility issues.
0: Absolutely, Jen. This study underscores the complexity of factors at play, from individual attitudes and habits to sociodemographic characteristics and even geographical features.
1: And let's not overlook the broader relevance here. With climate change and urban congestion being critical issues, Understanding these factors is crucial for designing effective policies and interventions to promote more sustainable and active mobility options.
0: Well said. It's about creating environments and policies that don't just encourage but enable more sustainable choices. From infrastructure development like bike lanes to incentivizing public transit use, It's a multifaceted approach.
1: And at the individual level, fostering a green identity and making sustainable choices attractive and feasible is key. This study is a vital step forward in our understanding, providing insights that can help shape future mobility in cities around the world.
0: Absolutely, Jen. It's a call to action for both policymakers and individuals to rethink our mobility choices for a healthier, more sustainable future. Are you tired of your regular, boring commute? Stuck in traffic jams, spending a fortune on gas, and feeling like you're just not getting anywhere?
1: Introducing Footloose and Fancy Free Transit Co., your one-stop solution to ditch those traffic blues and embrace the joys of sustainable mobility.
0: With our innovative app, you can match with walking buddies, find the quickest bike roads, join a carpool, or hop on public transportation with ease. But wait, there's more.
1: Ever heard of mountain yoga commuting? only with Footloose and Fancy Free. Join our specialized guides as they lead you over hill and dale, getting fit and centered before you even hit the office.
0: And for those worried about the time, our patented hopscotch speed boosters installed on city sidewalks will ensure you get to your destination twice as fast and have fun doing it.
1: No more excuses about living in those pesky mountainous areas. Our EcoElevate flying bikes will whisk you over any terrain all while making zero carbon footprints.
0: So, what are you waiting for? Ditch the car, join the movement, and let Footloose and Fancy Free Transit Co. revolutionize your commute. Because getting there should be half the fun.
1: Sign up today and as a special offer, we'll throw in a personalized pair of walking shoes. Because with Footloose and Fancy Free, every step is a step towards a greener, healthier planet.
0: Welcome to today's episode, folks. We're diving deep in a fascinating study titled Software Vulnerabilities as Cognitive Blind Spots, Assessing the Suitability of a Dual Processing Theory of Decision-Making for Secure Coding. This paper comes from a team of experts, including Matthew Ivory and John Tows from Lancaster University, Miriam Sturdy at the University of St. Andrews, Mark Levine, also from Lancaster, and Bashar Nusebe from Lero in the Republic of Ireland, and the open university in the uk
1: that's quite the lineup tom the crux of this paper is really about understanding why software vulnerabilities remain so common even though many of them have been around for ages and are well documented the authors propose an intriguing angle that these vulnerabilities might be cognitive blind spots for developers
0: exactly jen and for our listeners who might be wondering cognitive blind spots are essentially mistakes or oversights that happen because of the way our brains are wired. The paper argues that despite being aware of certain vulnerabilities, developers might still overlook them because of these inherent blind spots in their mental models.
1: The researchers go a step further by tapping into the dual processing theory of decision-making. This theory suggests that we have two systems of thought. The first is quick, intuitive, and relies heavily on heuristics or mental shortcuts. The second is slower, more deliberate and analytical
0: they conducted an empirical study backed by power analysis to explore this theory in the context of secure coding their findings support the idea that the way developers make decisions whether they lean more towards quick intuitive thoughts or slow analytical reasoning can affect their ability to spot security vulnerabilities
1: this study is significant for several reasons first It extends previous research on software blind spots by incorporating cognitive theories. And second, by using data simulations, the authors provide insights into the kind of empirical studies needed in the future to better understand these dynamics.
0: On the academic front, it aligns with disciplines like security and privacy, especially focusing on the social aspects and human-centered computing, particularly empirical studies in human-computer interaction, or HCI.
1: And from a practical standpoint, this research could be a game changer for how we approach secure coding. Understanding that developers might have cognitive blind spots leading to vulnerabilities means we could develop training programs or coding tools designed to mitigate these blind spots.
0: Now let's reflect on this a bit, Jen. The concept that some software vulnerabilities stem from cognitive blind spots is both fascinating and slightly alarming.
1: It's a stark reminder of the human factor in cybersecurity. Often we focus on the technological aspects, forgetting that human cognition plays a massive role in the security of software systems.
0: And the idea of dual processing theory, offering a new lens to view and perhaps address these issues is incredibly promising. It suggests that by understanding and adapting to the cognitive styles of developers, we might significantly reduce vulnerabilities.
1: Absolutely, Tom. This study not only sheds light on the cognitive aspects of secure coding, but also opens up new paths for research and practical interventions.
0: Well said, Jen. And with that, dear listeners, we're at the end of today's episode. It's been a deep dive into a complex but intriguing topic. We hope you found it as enlightening as we
1: did. Remember, the world of software security isn't just about codes and algorithms. It's also about understanding the human mind behind them. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Ever found yourself scratching your head, wondering why your software is more bug-ridden than a picnic in July?
1: Well, scratch no more. Introducing Bugbuster Brain Boosts, the snack for software developers with a secret ingredient, enlightenment.
0: Yes, friends. Our snacks don't just crunch. They teach. Each bite-sized morsel is infused with knowledge about cognitive blind spots and dual processing theories.
1: Imagine chomping down on a crispy savory snack and, bam, you suddenly realize why you missed that glaring vulnerability in your code.
0: With flavors like heuristic honeycomb and logical lemon-lime, your taste buds and your brain cells will thank you.
1: No more feeling dazed and confused, just grab a pack of Bugbuster Brain Boosts and you'll start coding securely as if it's second nature.
0: Side effects may include sudden outbursts of eureka and an uncontrollable urge to refactor your entire codebase.
1: Bugbuster Brain Boosts, because the best way to fix a cognitive blind spot is to eat it away.
0: Order now and we'll throw in a free debugging for dummies napkin set for those messy aha moments.
1: Don't let your brain bugs be the bane of your code. Crunch your way to clearer coding with Bugbuster Brain Boost today.
0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another deep dive episode where we unravel the complexities of recent scientific research to keep you informed and intrigued. Today, we've got a fascinating topic about the place we call home and how it might affect our longevity. Jen, what are we exploring today?
1: Today, Tom, we're unpacking an insightful paper titled, Are There Place-Based Disparities in Mortality Risk? Findings from Two Longitudinal Studies of Aging. This study, led by Olivia E. Atherton from the University of Houston, explores an incredibly important subject, the link between where we live, specifically rurality and urbanicity, and our risk of mortality.
0: I think it's a topic many of us can relate to, especially considering the ongoing conversations around health disparities. So, Jen, can you break down how this study was conducted?
1: Absolutely, Tom. The researchers analyzed data from two significant U.S. aging studies, the Health and Retirement Study, HRS, and Midlife in the United States, MEDIS, involving around 55,000 participants. They focused on understanding how living in rural, suburban, or urban areas affects all-cause mortality risk. The longevity of the data is impressive, spanning up to 29 years.
0: That's a lot of data. What did they find?
1: The findings were quite revealing. In the HRS study, suburban and rural residents showed a 12% and 18% greater risk for earlier mortality compared to urban dwellers. Interestingly, these associations were largely independent of socioeconomic status. However, in the MIDAS data, the link between rurality-urbanicity and mortality risk wasn't significant.
0: So living in less urbanized areas might lead to earlier mortality. That's quite a finding. Did the study delve into why this might be the case?
1: Yes, it did. The study refers to various socio-ecological and life course theories, suggesting that our environment's biopsychosocial factors significantly impact our health and longevity. Rural areas, for instance, often have reduced access to healthcare, fewer amenities like grocery stores and gyms, and worse air and water quality. These factors, combined with the psychosocial stressors of rural living, could contribute to the higher risk of mortality.
0: It's a complex interplay of factors then, but what surprised me was the study's exploration of the impact of rurality and urbanicity across different demographic groups. They really dug deep.
1: Exactly. They looked at whether factors like SES, sex, race, ethnicity, and partner status influenced the association between rurality, urbanicity, and mortality risk. Surprisingly, they found the associations to be mostly consistent across these groups, with only one notable exception in the HRS data, where suburban residing individuals identifying as other race multiracial were at increased risk.
0: That's a key insight, showing how nuanced and multifaceted these disparities can be.
1: Indeed, and what really stands out is the study's broader relevance. It shines a light on rurality and urbanicity as crucial factors in understanding health disparities and underscores the importance of enhancing rural healthcare infrastructure and accessibility.
0: Absolutely, Jen. It's a call to action for policymakers, healthcare providers, and communities to work together in bridging these disparities. Promoting health equity, especially in rural areas, is vital.
1: To wrap up, Atherton's study is a significant contribution to our understanding of place-based health disparities. It not only highlights the urgent need to address the challenges faced by rural residents, but also opens up avenues for future research into how we can mitigate these risks and promote longer, healthier lives for everyone, regardless of where they live.
0: Well said, Jen. This research certainly provides a lot for us to think about in terms of how our environment shapes our health outcomes.
1: And with that thoughtful note, it's time to conclude today's episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on this insightful journey through the complex interplay between our living environments and our health. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking topics in our next episode.
0: Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring the world around you. Goodbye, everyone. Are you tired of living in a place that might be cutting your life short? Fear not, because here comes Lifespan Locales.
1: That's right, Tom. Lifespan Locales is the genius new company that read one scientific paper and said, we've got a business plan. They specialize in relocating you to the statistically proven to be safer urban jungles where you won't just survive, you'll thrive.
0: Forget the serene sunsets and bird songs of rural living. Welcome to the sound of perpetual construction and the sweet aroma of exhaust fumes that just might extend your life.
1: Every relocation package comes with a complimentary gym membership because apparently accessibility matters and an air purifier to help you adapt to your new, healthier, urban life.
0: And worry not about socioeconomic status, my friends. Lifespan Locales has a plan for everyone. From the I can barely afford my avocado toast package to the money is no object, I plan to live forever tier.
1: So what are you waiting for? Call Lifespan Locales today and kickstart your potentially extended urban life adventure.
0: And remember, folks, it's not running away from your problems if it statistically increases your lifespan.
1: Call 1-800-U-URBAN-4U. That's 1-800-872-2648. Lifespan Locales, because why gamble with rural tranquility when you can bet on urban longevity?
0: See you in the city, folks. Lifespan Locales, Live Longer Weirdly